0: Welcome to the Center Ranch Church weekly podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, we started a series a couple of weeks ago that we're we're working our way through the book of Acts. And I'm excited about what God's doing in our church. I'm excited about what he's doing in me, what he's doing in you. I really believe God's doing something special in us and in in our church and individuals. I I really believe that. God is doing something special. He's doing something special. I'm excited about it. We started Acts chapter one and talked about how everything that Jesus did in the gospels, wasn't wasn't the conclusion of his efforts. It was actually the beginning of his efforts. He was was preparing the way for you and I to be turned loose and to continue carrying out his will and making impact on the earth. It says all that Jesus began to do and teach in Acts chapter one, verse one, referring to the gospel accounts. It was just the beginning. When Jesus ascended, that wasn't the end. That was the start of what he wants to do through the church. That's people like us filled with the spirit of God. Then we talked about the importance of being hungry and thirsty for the things of God that we need to be hungry and thirsty. And what often limits what God is doing in us as individuals in a church is our level of hunger. If you are content just going through the motions, coming in and and sitting for a little while and then leaving unchanged, then that's how things will be for you. It takes people who are hungry and desirous of something deeper, something more. God, I know there's more, I've got to have it. That's what God responds to. And sometimes you need to give yourself a talking to about getting hungry and thirsty for the Lord. You can't just sit and be passive in these things. Well, I I hope I get hungry, but I'm not. So, you know, I guess he's not preaching good enough or they're not singing good enough and just kind of be a bystander. If you want more from God, you've got to stir that up, fan the flame. Like Paul told Timothy, when you read through the Psalms, there's times where David gave himself a talking to about praising the Lord, about rejoicing, rejoicing the Lord. Oh, my soul. What's he talking about? He's talking to himself. You're not in the mood to praise. Well, you get in the mood to pray. God is worthy of all, all that I can offer him. He was giving himself a talking to. And sometimes that's what we, you need to do. Yes. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to hunger for the Lord, but I don't hunger for Well, well then give yourself a talking to. Yes. Shake yourself up. Stir yourself up. We need to be hungry and thirsty for the things of, of God. Then we talked about baptism in the Holy Spirit, a second work of the Spirit of God in the life of a believer. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. We talked about how baptism in the Holy Spirit is is not just for a moment. It's not just an experience. It should be a lifestyle. It's a Spirit-filled life, not just a neat altar moment. It should change the trajectory of your life. It's a new way of existing. I'm filled with the Spirit of God. Not just for a moment. And we said, it's not just tongues. A lot of times when you talk about people being Pentecostal, the only thing that's associated with that is tongues. guys, tongue talkers over there? I mean, that's all they think of when it comes to being Pentecostal. And thank God for tongues. I'm not trying to belittle that at all. I'm very thankful. I told you last week, I don't know what I would do without the ability to pray in other tongues. But baptism in the Holy Spirit is much broader than that. We talked about the different gifts of of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God, carrying yourself as a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's, It's not just a moment, and it's not just tongues. Last week, We finished up Acts chapter two, talking about 3,000 people who were born into the kingdom of God. The church was born, the church was launched, and it starts to talk about the early church. And it says that they continued steadfastly. We talked about that for a while. The importance of being steadfast, of continuing, of having resolve, of setting your face like Flint. A lot of people in the modern church just kind of flip around and they're they're Christian when they feel like it or their commitment you know, is, is as fickle as their feelings and as tender and, and fragile as their feelings. Those early believers, they continued steadfast. They didn't get offended. They, they weren't wishy-washy. If we want to have what the early church had, we need to have these same ingredients. And one was a, a, a resolve that I'm going to continue. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm in this thing. I'm not just dabbling. I'm not trying out. I'm in to the family of God. I'm in for the long haul. If there's problems, we'll deal with it and we'll keep on going. Amen. And then we talked about four key disciplines that they were continuing steadfastly in. Talked about them. Said they're like a legs of a table or legs of a, a chair. Anytime your walk with the Lord starts to get shaky, almost every time you can trace it back. There's one of these key disciplines that you've, you've not been faithful in or multiple I'm talking about continued steadfastly in the word of God. They continued steadfastly in prayer. They were, they continued in giving. They were serving. They were giving of themselves and they continued in fellowship. And we took time to, to pay special attention to the importance of the fellowship that we have in the body of Christ, just how precious and special the relationships we have the, the Bible calls koinonia, the fellowship of believers, how special and sweet that is and how it needs to be protected and guarded. You know, our church has a vision right now to grow to be 1000 strong. It's not the not the finish line, just a, a point, a goal that we're working on, because we, we want to see more people come into the kingdom of God. Out in the lobby and in the restrooms, different places, you'll see this vision kind of illustrated with a V at the top. There's the number 1,000, then 100, then 10, then 1. All of those numbers have significance. We, we want to have on Sunday mornings 1,000 people coming here to honor the Lord and worship Him and celebrate together. We want to see people, the kingdom of God expand. Then the 100 is we want to have 100 connect groups, 100 families within the family meeting in people's homes throughout the week. 10 is underneath that, has to do with 10%. We want to see people that are generous givers, people that honor the Lord with their wealth, people that are obedient, nothing's off limits in their lives. And the bottom on one is we want to have a heart for one more, hungry for the lost, that we're not content, we don't want to plateau. As long as there's even one person that doesn't know the Lord, we've got work to do. I'm encouraged when you think about our vision and read through the Acts chapter 2 as it talks about the early church, the areas that they were expanding and growing are the areas that we've set our sights to expand and grow. It says they they were increasing daily. The number of, of believers was increasing and they were meeting together in one place. They were coming together in the temple and they were meeting together in homes. So there was a large gathering that was continuing to grow. That's what we want. And we want meeting in homes, our connectors. We want to see that continue to grow. It says that they were giving so that nobody was lacking anything. We want to see people grow in their area of giving. And it says that the Lord was adding daily to their number those who were being saved. We want to continue to see people come into the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Well, this morning, we're going to start the chapter 3, and we're going to talk about healing. And if you need a touch in your body today, I want you to just go ahead and begin to be thankful that today you receive the healing that you need. Today you're going to receive that touch in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's take a moment to pray. And as we pray and just ask God to speak to us, just lift your hands and tell the Lord thank you. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his kindness. Father, we love you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for blessing us. Lord, we love you. I ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear as we approach your word, Lord, that our hearts would be like good soil, ready to receive And that we'd see the fruit of everything that's planted in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for healing us. Thank that you've made provision. Lord, give us grace not to forget the benefits of serving you. You forgive all of our sins and you heal all of our diseases. And Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter three, starting in verse one, it says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked them for alms. So we'll keep reading it in, in just a minute, but this is a story about a man who all of his life was unable to walk. He was lame, it says, from his mother's womb. So from the day he was born, so we don't know what it was, something was wrong with his legs. They, they, didn't, they didn't function. And so he spent his life, we don't know how old he is now, he spent his life unable unable to walk around, and now what life looks like for him is that every morning somebody carries him and plops him down outside this gate so he can shake his little can or, or ask uh, for people to give him money to survive on. And that, that's what life is sitting on his little mat, begging. But it's interesting that what he's spending his life doing is begging for what really is something, it's not what he needs. Ultimately, it's not what he wants. He's 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 begging for something. What? He's begging for money. For someone to throw him some change. Give him a give him a few bucks to to grab lunch on. But what does the ultimate? What do you think he really wants? What do you think he really needs? Not not a a few dollars, he needs a miracle in his body. And and do you think that's what he wants more than a couple of bucks? Yeah, what he wants and what he needs is healing, a miracle. But he's not asking for that. He's not asking, hey, can anyone help me? Hey, can anyone heal me? Can you do something about my leg situation here? He's He's altered his request, not to match what he desires, not to match what he really needs, but to match what he thinks he might be able to receive according to the natural. People do that all the time. Maybe there's people here this morning that what you need and what you really want, something has happened that you've lowered your expectation, you've, you've lowered what you're willing to ask God of, not, not according to what you need and want, but what you think, yeah, I, think I can see that being pulled off. He, he didn't dare to ask people for healing for legs that would work, because he had no level of faith or expectation, anticipation, and a lack of faith will cause people like you and me as well to lower what we are requesting, not from what the Bible says is ours, but what we, what we can reason out in our minds is acquirable according to natural things. He wasn't even daring to ask for the very thing that God desired to do in his life. A lack of faith will keep you from the will of God. What did God desire to do in his life? God wanted him healthy and strong. That's what God's desire was for him. And when it comes to your life, now we're we're applying this to healing. You can apply it all over the place. People will lower what they're willing to ask for, not according to what the Bible says, because the the Bible tells us when we pray, what is the level we're supposed to ask at? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that how we're told to pray? Not according to what I see is appropriate, what I feel like might be manageable. Whatever your, your kingdom, kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in my life, in my body, in my household, in my marriage, in my finances, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just someday when I get to heaven, now in this life that your will, your will would be done. That's the level that we're supposed to pray at and request that. But people do it all the time. People write on their connect cards and I'm I'm not being, not trying to be heavy on anyone. I'm I'm trying to lift people Hey, you know, my, my marriage is falling apart. Would you just pray that we'd have a peaceful divorce and that, you know, custody battle would go well? Well, they're just trying to reason through what they think might be acquirable. And so that, that's not what they need. And it's probably not what they want. They need a miracle in that marriage to see things rearranged so it would be healthy and whole again, not some peaceful divorce and splitting of ways. That they're not daring to ask the very thing that God desires for them in their finances, in their careers, wherever it is, That is. We're supposed to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. So if there's some area in your life where you've lowered what you're willing to ask, what you dare to believe, let today be a day where you raise that level not to I could kind of see this out. I could see this thing maybe starting to loosen up a little bit or maybe I get a little bit better. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the level that we're supposed to to pursue and receive at. This guy was spending his life pursuing things that wasn't even really what, what he wanted. Don't fall into that category. You try to pursue things and acquire things. It's not what you want or need. It's just gonna help make you more comfortable living a life below what God has for you. Verse four. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. I love the confidence that Peter ministers to this guy with. He doesn't begin to pray for him. Lord, if it be your will. Lord, if you could ease his suffering in any way. He had a confidence in what God wanted accomplished. They didn't have to go to God about it. He went to the situation about it on God's behalf. He just began to to command and speak to that situation. He knew exactly what God, God didn't want that man sitting on that mat begging. God didn't want that man there one more day with withered, shriveled legs that didn't function properly. God wanted that man healthy and whole, and Peter had a confidence in it. You and I need to have a confidence in what God wants to bring about in our our lives so we can set our faith to receive it. You can have confidence. God wants you healthy. God wants you strong in your body. God wants you well. He doesn't want you dealing with sickness in any form or fashion. He doesn't want you to have food allergies. He doesn't want you to have cancer. He doesn't want you to have anything in between. He wants you healthy and strong. And one of the ways you can see that is simply by paying attention to what he's made provision for. When someone is willing to expend their resources for something, it's also a revelation of their will. We, we just sang a song about it, that Jesus carried our sickness. He carried our pain and our disease. The fact that he paid for us to be healthy is a revelation that he, his will is for you to be healthy. Let me read to you from Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, I'm going to read it in Young's Literal Translation, starting in verse 4. It says, Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our pains he hath carried them. And we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. And he is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace is on him and by his bruise, there is healing to us or by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. Yes. It says that he carried, he bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. Yes. Now, why did he do that? Well, if you are familiar with the gospel at just a basic level, you understood, you understand that Jesus carried Carried our sins for what purpose? He carried our sins so that we could be free of sin, right? That's very basic. Jesus, our sin went on Jesus and he was a sacrifice so that you and I could be righteous. He carried sin so we could be free from it. Well, if that's why he carried our sin, then why did he carry our, our sickness and our pains and our diseases? He carried them so that we could be, just like we can be free from sin because he carried them, you can be free from sickness and disease because he carried that as well. And fortunately for that man sitting there that day, even though he didn't dare to believe it, Peter and John came along and were able to impart to him and say, listen, here's God's desire for your life and be able to minister to him. And fortunately, you and I have the word of God. So where there's any confusion about God's will, we can have confidence. God wants us healthy and strong. And we can see that because of what he's already made available. He paid the price for it. A few verses later in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, it says, It pleased the Lord to crush him and cause him grief. It pleased the Father to crush Jesus and to cause him grief. Now, if Jesus was just carrying our sickness and disease and pains, and it pleased the Father, there's only two ways that I can think of to understand that. It pleased the Father, one, because he's just sick and he's twisted. And he gets a kick out of seeing people suffer. That's a possibility. It pleased Jesus, it pleased the Father to crush Jesus, to cause him grief. Or it pleased him because he understood he was making a purchase of something that he was very desirous of, and he was glad to make that expenditure because he was providing healing for people like you you and me, that that price was being paid. If nothing came of it, if there was no benefit so you and I don't have to pay for it, then we're left with understanding God is some kind of twisted, warped sense of enjoyment that he enjoyed. It pleased him. He delighted to crush Jesus if there is no ramification result in our life of being free from what Jesus carried, that leaves God as being almost like a monster. But if we understand he paid that price, not not just to see Jesus suffer, but to see you not have to suffer, then we understand he's a good God. He's a loving loving God. Have you ever spent a lot of money and you weren't bitter and angry about it? You were glad to do it. That even though the price was high, you knew that what you were acquiring was well worth it. If you blessed your children, blessed your spouse, blessed your grandchildren, spent a lot of money, but man, it's for their benefit, and I'm glad to do it. That, that's what was happening when Jesus went to the cross for us, and when he was whipped by his stripes, by his wounds, healing can come to you and I. When you see what's been provided, then you can be confident in the will of God. This week, my family and I are going to take some time and spend together. I'm going to take my kids to an amusement park, and if my kids have any doubt, in their mind about whether I want them to enjoy an amusement park, by the time I drive them there and walk up to the little booth and open my wallet and pay for them to have their hands stamped through the little wristband or whatever they choose to do, those doubts and confusion should be completely removed, right? Because one, I I went out of my way to give them access to it, and then I paid the price for them to have free reign in there and enjoy everything that that park has to offer. So if there was confusion, the fact that I paid the price for them to have access to it should remove that confusion. Jesus paid the price for you to be completely healthy and whole. No allergies, no no chronic headache, whatever it is that the enemy would try to afflict on you. God wants to lift it off of you. And he's made, he's made provision. He paid the price. And it wasn't like he flipped a couple of, you know, wooden nickels at it. It was the price of God's son, Jesus, a high price. And he was glad to do it because he wants you healthy that much. Amen. God wants you healthy and strong. He was confident. Peter was confident in the name of Jesus. What, What I have What I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Confident in what he carried on the inside of him. The same spirit, the same power that was keeping Peter's body healthy and strong and blessed and free from sickness and disease. He was confident. Not not only does it keep me healthy, it has the power to make you healthy as well. That's what God wants to do in and through you. One, you can be confident God wants you well, but also a level of confidence that you're able to minister out of that overflow to people around you. God wants you healthy, but he also wants you to inflict that healthiness on the people around you and drive sickness and disease out of people. So Peter was confident in what he had. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, what's residing on the inside of me, what I know I contain, I'm gonna minister it to you. I'm gonna share it with you. And it's gonna drive sickness off of your body and you'll be healthy just like eh, I am. You can be be confident that God wants you healthy and also confident God wants to use you to minister health and healing to other people. Mark chapter six, starting in verse 15. And Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's the, it's the will of God. It was the instructions given to us that we can be healthy, but also to lay our hands on the sick and see them recover as well, that we can have that kind of confidence. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise, rise and walk. That's ministering out of a level of confidence, faith. Now, I don't personally believe that Peter was absolutely broke. I don't believe he was saying he was poor. I I believe it was more like, I don't have my wallet on me today, but what I do have. If he was completely broke, Then after he raised that man out of his prime begging spot next to the gate, he would have plopped himself down and started begging for silver and gold from other people. But even if he was broke, what what would you rather have to minister to people? What they think they want, what they think they need, or what they really want and what they really need? Peter had with that man... didn't even dare to ask for. And that's what he ministered out of. You can have a confidence. What you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know Jesus. You can have a confidence that you are well equipped to minister and meet people at a level where they're probably not even willing to express their desire. They're probably not even willing to, to ask at that level. You have what they really need and what they really want. You have rivers of living water flowing out of you. Amen. Amen. Verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter reaches down, helps the guy get to his feet, strength comes to his ankles and his feet, and he's up and he's leaping, he's walking, he's praising God. This is a miracle. He's never walked a day in his life, and in an instant, those legs that had never worked began to function. So it's really multiple miracles taking place here, because it's a miracle for those legs to become healthy again, and him able to move them and able to function. But the day that your legs work, the first day your legs are, are able to function, you don't walk. That's a a whole nother class of miracle that's taking place. One, that his legs were healed. Two, that he's up dancing around, leaping and walking and praising God. My children were all born with healthy legs, but not one of them hit the hospital floor and started tearing around the room, jumping up and down and dancing. It took a while. So one, there's a miracle that happened to his legs, but also a miracle that this guy didn't spend a year of his life crawling around, learning how to walk. He didn't have to have a, a giant man walker constructed. He's he's walking in a, a walker down the streets of Jerusalem. God made up for lost time, healed his legs, and restored him to a level of health where he's walking and leaping and praising God. God is able to make up for lost time. Again, we can apply this to healing, but you can apply it to different areas of your life. It's one thing to receive a healing. It's another to receive a full restoration. It's one thing to be set free. It's another thing to receive a full restoration. And God is willing and able to do both. And you can receive either one or both today in Jesus' name. There's a difference. God sets someone free from, again, anything, an area of sin. That's wonderful. But when he restores them, it it just reveals how good God really is. Let me use someone as an example here. Pastor Christina, will you come here for a second? I feel like asking you to do something ridiculous. <laughs> okay, let's say we're, we're just walking through life. We're just two people. We're, we're living. Slow down. You're not living that fast. Okay? And then something happens. Some, something happens in my life. I, you know, the enemy gets a hold of me. Um, I get caught in sin. You know, some, something where the enemy gets me, gets me stuck, and I'm not able to progress the way that God wanted me to progress. Now, keep on living your life. I, I'm stuck here. Okay? Now, It would be wonderful for God to heal me, set me free, and I'm able to start moving again, keep walking. But even though he's, he's done a miracle in my life, you can still see evidence that I've suffered a setback. It's wonderful to receive that healing. It's wonderful to receive that breakthrough. It's wonderful to, to have God set me free, but you can still see evidence that I'm behind in life. That's wonderful. But what's even more wonderful is for God to take me from that point and supernaturally move me to the place I should have been all along and make up for lost time. God can do that in someone's body like this. He can do it in a marriage. He can do it in a situation. He can make up for lost time, that what the enemy has tried to rob from you, you can receive healing, you can receive a breakthrough, you can also receive a supernatural restoration where where, what was robbed from you time-wise is erased. You, You Apply that wherever you need to apply that. People that have gone years and their marriage has been a wreck, or they've wanted a marriage and haven't had it, and because of the passing of time, they feel like, well, you know, I'm, even if I do experience a breakthrough, I'm so far behind at this point. No, that's nonsense. The same God that can bring about the first miracle can also bring about the second. I've seen it happen with people wanting to have children, people wanting to have spouses, whatever it is, God can make up for lost time. This guy is dancing on day one of his legs being able to function. I'm 45 years old and my legs still don't dance properly. This guy's dancing on day one. It's a miracle. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Several years ago, we were over at our, our old location, and we were doing growth track, which we used to do after church. And we'd, we'd have lunch together, and there's people there eating lunch, getting ready to take the class, and we'd had a good service. And I, just, I, I, I like church stuff, so I just love all of it. I'm just feeling good. There's people there hanging out, new people in the church. I loved it service had gone well. There's music playing. So I'm just happy, feeling good. So I'm just kind of moving to the music a little bit. You know, I'm kind of dancing and, you know, just letting the music move me. Well, Miss Joy was there and she came over to me and she said, hey, pastor, can I help you? I don't think so. Can I help you find it? Find what? I don't know what you're talking about. And I realized that my dancing looked like I'm checking my pockets for my keys or my wallet. I'm just kind of, you know, moving my hands around best I, best I know. And so she's puzzled, wanting to know if she can help me find something. And oh, when it finally dawned on me, I had to explain to her, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm not missing anything. This is just what it looks like when a, a middle-aged white man is, is dancing. That's, that, that's what you're witnessing here. And she just looked a little bit disgusted, sad, and walked away. This guy, he goes from legs not functioning. We don't know how old he is. 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. Not just, hey, I'm getting feeling, I can move my legs. They're not withered up anymore. He is up and dancing around, leaping and praising God. People are marveling at it. Multiple miracles of restoration happening in this man's life. Verse 11. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? Why are you looking at us like, like by our power or our godliness? we'll read the next few verses, he begins to explain, this is the work of God. This isn't the work of a man. When it comes to receiving healing, receiving a miracle of any kind, our tendency is to begin to look at ourselves or begin to look at the person who's going to be praying for us and examine their level of power, their level of godliness. Peter says, listen, you've got to get your eyes off of us. It was Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Don't examine how worthy you are because you're not worthy you're going to you're going to be frustrated every time if your faith is based on how good you are then your faith is going to be strong in relation to to your worthiness. It's based on what Jesus has done. That's where we experience breakthroughs and miracles. It's not by our power. It's not, not by our godliness. It's not by our own righteousness. It's all about Jesus and how good he is and what he's done on your behalf. So you can just drink it in and stop examining yourself and seeing if you qualify. You don't, that's what this is all about. That's why it's so wonderful what Jesus has done. You can just receive what you don't deserve to receive. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our, f- our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead. Peter never misses an opportunity to remind the Jewish people of how bad they blew it. He didn't read the, the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. In chapter two, he did it. Chapter three, he does it. You guys, you guys know you murdered the author of life. You guys had a chance, and you guys, you guys really blew it. So he's reminding them of that. Verse 16, he says this. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness, in the presence of you all. I love love this passage when it comes to addressing healing because he explains how this healing occurred. It's very, very simple. It's not a confusing... How does somebody get healed? How does someone experience a miracle? They're they're in amazement. He says, "Don't, don't be astounded. Don't look at us. It's because of God. It's through his servant, Jesus. And he says, through his name... Through faith in his name. You know, especially in Bible times, somebody's name represented them. It represented their character. It represented their will. It represented their authority. And Jesus has given us his name to use. Not just as an option, we're actually instructed, commanded to use his name. John chapter 16, Jesus talked about being able to use his name. Luke chapter 10 talks about him giving us his authority. Mark chapter 16, which we read just a few minutes ago, said, those who believe these signs will follow them in my name. And it starts to to give us a list of things that will be done. How? In the name of Jesus. So using the name of Jesus is like using power of attorney, that you have authorization By bringing his name into a situation, you bring his will, you bring his character, you bring his power, you bring his authority. It's through the name of Jesus, through his name, through faith in his name. It's like when you have kids. If my oldest daughter was tormenting her youngest sisters, pulling their hair, gouging their eyes, just being mean to them, they told her to stop, she wouldn't stop. And so my younger daughters come to me and say, hey, we can't get her to leave us alone. She's pulling our hair, trying to poke her eyes out. We don't know what's going on. You know, tell her to stop. We, we did tell her to stop. She won't stop. All right. Tell her I said, tell her I said, you better knock that off right now. When they go back and report back to her, dad says, stop. Well, now they've brought my name into the situation and that changes the dynamics because now it's not just their own authority that they're using. They're actually they're actually, with my name, using my authority in that situation. And now, if, the, if my daughter doesn't obey them, it's really not them, they're disobeying she's disobeying, right? Now she's essentially disobeying me because I've allowed my name to be incorporated in this situation. So if she refuses to obey them, it's not them she has to deal with. It's me she has to deal with by use of my name. And Jesus said, you now have full authority. You have access to do these things in my name. So really when you command sickness and disease, like Peter did, when he just said, he didn't go to God about it. He went to the disease about it and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise. He was using the name. That it's not just about that sickness, that body part obeying you. because You're not the one. You've brought in his name. It's about whether he's going to obey Jesus or not. So that's how Peter was able to say, it's not by my own power. It's not by my own godliness. You see, I incorporated his name. It's his name. It's by his name and by faith in his name. We'll just talk about this really quick and then we'll pray for whoever wants prayed for. It's by his name and by faith by faith in his name A lot of times we use the word faith and belief you believe something you have faith in something we use it interchangeably that they mean the same thing you believe something that oh, means you have faith in something you have faith in something what's that mean it means i believe it well that's that's not that's not entirely accurate And we can miss things thinking that we have faith when really we just have belief. It's what E.W. Kenyon refers to as mental assent. It means that you you agree to something's truthfulness. Yes, I believe that is true. I believe that it's true. Yep, I, I agree with that. I agree with that scripture. Well, that's belief. Faith is when you take action based on that belief. You can believe all kinds of things, and a lot of people do. But those beliefs never affect anything in your life until you act on those beliefs. And when someone acts on what they believe, that's when that belief actually starts to have some kind of influence or impact in their life. You can use it with Bible beliefs or or any belief. It's when action takes place that that belief really begins to matter. That's what faith is. James says, faith without actions is dead. It's it's not even real faith. Action and faith, faith is action. It's woven together. You can't have faith without acting on it. And that's where a lot of people miss it because they know that they believe. I don't understand. I believed with all my heart. I believed as much as someone can believe, but they failed to act on it. And it says through his name, through faith, acting. There's gotta be action. That's real Bible faith. Uh, Imagine if while I'm talking right now, I just collapsed to the ground. Half of you said okay. You got up and just left and went on with your day. But maybe a few of you would stick around and say, "I wonder what's going on with this guy." Maybe Pastor Jonathan is concerned. He comes over and smacks my face a couple times, gets me to come conscious again. And says, "Hey, is there any? Is there a doctor here? Is there a nurse here? Is there anyone that can help?" And someone from the congregation that that knows something medically comes up and checks on me and kind of examines and says, "Man, this guy's dehydrated. He's so he's so dehydrated. We, we've got to do something. He's like on the brink of dying. He's." He's not in good shape. And so people say, well, if that's the case, we ought to get him some water. And so someone finds a bottle of water and they bring it over to me and hand me the bottle of water and say, hey, you're dehydrated. You've got got to drink this water. I mean, you you might not make it out of here. Well, if I believe that, if they say, hey, you need to drink this water. Do you believe you need to drink this water? I say, yes, I believe I need to drink this water. Well, that's good that I believe that. But if that's all it is, it's not going to help me. If I believe, yes, I believe. I believe with all my heart. I believe with all my heart. Water is the cure. It's the antidote for dehydration. I believe it 100%. I believe it. The doctor said it that settles it for me. Water is what I need. Even if I start confessing it out of my mouth, I believe that all I need is just some H2O in my system. That's going to cure what ails me It doesn't matter until I act on that belief. That belief doesn't do me any good. I can thirst to death laying there, holding a bottle of water, confessing how much I believe that what water is going to satisfy and help me. But unless I act on it, it's not gonna do me any good. It's acting on what we say we believe. That's Bible faith. It's true with salvation. You can, you can believe Jesus is the savior. You can believe he's the son of God. It's when you begin to act. I receive him, he's Lord of my life. I, Lord, you're in control, I give my life to you. When you start to act on it, that, that's faith. There's lots of people that believe good things about Jesus, consider him their you know, savior there's not real faith because you don't see any action. There's no fruit in their life. They haven't changed anything. They're, They're still Lord of their life. The Bible says that demons believe in God. Bible faith is when you act on it, not just belief. This guy, when the miracle took place, is when Peter started to help him up off of the ground. When he starts striving to get up, it says that's when his ankles and his feet became strong. That's when the miracle took place. So maybe the symptoms look the same right away. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And he glances down, his legs are still shriveled but he starts striving to get up and that's when, when he began to act on it, that's when the power of God started to move. So if you'd like prayer for something in your life, I want you to believe, but beyond belief, I want you to act. I'm going to act. I'm going to lay hands on whoever wants to lay hands laid on them and believe together with them that the power of God changes that situation. We already know it's provided. If there's something physically that you lack a range of motion or there's pain when you move your knee, begin to do what you couldn't do before. Our eyes aren't our symptoms. Our eyes aren't on ourselves. Our eyes, are on Jesus, some of us, a step of faith is going to begin to, that we begin to talk about our situation differently than we did before, that we don't describe ourselves as allergic. We don't describe ourselves with this list of symptoms, with that, with that diagnosis, take some form of action, decide how you're going to act and move it from being a belief. There's nothing, everything I was talking about with believing about water, there's nothing, you can't find any fault in those beliefs. A lot of people, their beliefs are pristine. It's just that there's never any action to go with them. So we're gonna pray. We're gonna see people healed in Jesus' name, amen. It's gonna happen, just you can thank God for it. We're gonna act on it. We're gonna act on it. How was this man healed? By his name, by faith in his name. We use the authority of his name. We brought his name into the situation and we we acted in accordance with it. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.